This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's Daily Politics Podcast. I'm Isabel Harbin and I'm joined by Katie Balls and James Forsyth. Well, we've had another announcement from Boris Johnson today about further action against Russia following the latest incursions into uh, Ukrainian territory. James, just bring us up to speed on where we are. So Boris Johnson was making clear today at PMQs that the UK will ban Russia from selling its debt on the London market. Now, you can see what this is meant to do. But I think one of the challenges, uh, as I say in the magazine this week, is that, is that Russia has been essentially preparing itself for these sanctions ever since Vladimir Putin annexed Crimea in 2014. You know, Russia now has $630 billion worth of foreign currency reserves. That's up 75% since 2015. Putin has also kept the state budget under control so it doesn't need to shift that much of its debt on the on the world markets. Adam Tooze, the economic historian, calculates that, you know, if oil is at 40, I think it's $44 a barrel, he says, you know, the Russian budget can break even. You know, oil is now uh, trading in part with this uh, crisis in Ukraine at close to $100 a barrel. And Katie, Boris Johnson made his announcement at the start of Prime Minister's Questions, which was understandably focused on Russia and Ukraine. How do you think it went for him? Yeah, I mean, I think that if you look at the response in the chamber when the Prime Minister was talking about various sanctions that they were bringing in, I think there was one of uh, lots of MPs actually being quite underwhelmed. Obviously, it's a handful of banks, a handful of oligarchs who have been uh, named as those who are going to get sanctions. But I think there was a sense that people were braced for more. I think particularly if you think about the past few weeks, you've had a situation where actually the UK has been talking the toughest, or at least among the the toughest when it comes to the consequences for Russia were to invade. Meanwhile, Germany has been heavily criticised for not talking particularly tough on things like sanctions, suggesting that energy should be exempt. And then you get to the first day where you're really looking for what the actions are, and Germany appears to come out better than the UK does. You have a situation with Nord Stream 2 and the fact that it's now been stopped. Did take people by surprise something that you know the Russians would be taken by surprise by that move whereas the UK announced some sanctions now it's worth pointing out the figures in government say that ultimately this is the first of a series of more sanctions and there will be waves of this and you don't want to do everything at once you want to build up Um, but I think there are two potential problems with this the first is obviously I think as James says in the politics column this week you almost want to you know start as you mean to go on and therefore I think that if you if you want to suggest a Putin, these sanctions are going to be the worst and the strictest you're ever going to get, which is what we've been hearing from various ministers. I think you perhaps want more of a show of intent. And then secondly, I think that if you look at how the Prime Minister spoke at PMQs today, he was very defensive of these sanctions. He was saying, you know, we're not getting enough credit from there. They're actually very, uh, you know, wide ranging and very serious, which makes it sound as though they do think this is quite drastic. And I think the issue there is maybe we're all missing something, but the perception of what the UK was going to do 
in large, I would say from the way they've been talking about it on sanctions, does not meet the reality. And the fact that Boris Johnson thinks that he has gone quite far and his MPs do not is clearly an issue, which I think does go down a little bit to expectation management. James, it is striking to see Sir Keir Starmer basically saying that the government hasn't gone far enough, that it needs to be tougher. I don't think you could get a a stronger signal of how different this Labour Party is to how it was a, a couple of years ago under Jeremy Corbyn, who is still on the, well, not on the Labour backbenches anymore, he's he's now an independent MP, but who is still sort of showing a great deal of sympathy f- for Russia. Do you think that's working for Keir Starmer? Well, you can see Keir Starmer is clearly trying to use this crisis to say that this isn't Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party anymore. As you say, the reaction is about as different as it could be from the Corbyn reaction to the Salisbury poisoning. It is clearly designed to show that you know Labour is a responsible party, a party of NATO, a party that takes national security seriously. And it's hard not to see a kind of subtext in Starmer's calls for, you know, and he repeated this at PMQs, for Ofcom to review Russia's Today's licence. Starmer is aiming at one or two, two very high-profile people on the left who are kind of regular contributors to Russia Today. And as you say, again, trying to draw a distinction between him and them. Uh, so I think that's clearly what Keir Starmer is, is trying to do. I, I think on the Russia Today point, I think he is misguided here because I think if you look at what happened to Deutsche Welle, the, the German public service broadcaster, when their German language version was taken off the air in Germany, Moscow responded by closing the Deutsche Welle office, removing the accreditation of its journalists. I think if you closed that, if you took away Russia Today's license, broadcast license here, the same thing would happen to the BBC, and, and that would be a loss. I think, it, I think the least worst option is for basically guests not to go on Russia Today and for no one people to ignore it, or if they watch it, to watch it with their eyes very wide open to the very apparent and obvious biases with which it, it, it repeats Kremlin propaganda. And Katie, we now know that Boris Johnson was interviewed under caution, technically, because the questionnaire that he uh, was handed to fill in by the Metropolitan Police uh, about uh, allegations of lockdown parties in Downing Street uh, had that text on it. So what does this mean for the Prime Minister's domestic woes? Because we have obviously spent the past few days talking largely about Ukraine, uh, but the Partygate scandal hasn't gone away, has it? Yes, I mean, it means the Prime Minister has made history he is the first prime minister to be interviewed under caution so that's one uh, Boris Johnson can add I think to his legacy and if you look at Tony Blair you know, uh, cash for honours that was not an interview under caution so that that's one thing for us to think about I think elsewhere I would say the flip side to this if, it's, if you look at some of the questions on this questionnaire on the survey they're ultimately quite open-ended you know were you at this event did you have a reason there was work really you know, it doesn't really feel like the Spanish Inquisition uh, when you're going through it and therefore you begin to see how actually perhaps there's a route uh, perhaps there's a follow-up to some of these answers we don't know that for example but I think looking at the questionnaire there's definitely a little bit of a sense for me that perhaps things won't be as bad as some seemed you you can see how you could wriggle out of various things um, depending what your lawyer tells you to say I think more broadly speaking it's still quite hard to tell it definitely feels as though Boris Johnson is in a better place this week I think his MPs seem a lot more supportive it's something that you blogged on Coffee House Isabel where you obviously pointed to the fact you can't can't take it for too much but it, it was still the f- 
the case that when he was talking about ending COVID restrictions, it got him one of the best react. Uh, you know, responses with his MPs, you know, weeks, if not months. You also have the situation where I think that on Ukraine, just look at how over the weekend, when the Prime Minister was speaking at the Munich Security Conference, quite a lot of Tory MPs were tweeting at his speech saying, you know, this is leadership, look at this. So you can start to see how he's in more comfortable territory. And also if the situation in Ukraine is very serious, how people will think, well, this isn't the time. But I think the flip side to that is this is still hanging over him. And we don't know at what point it's going to drop Drop. The Prime Minister has suggested in the House he is going to publish the full Sue Gray report. I think there are some who think he will still try to wriggle out of doing that. But there's various trigger points coming up in that sense. And I think on the situation in Ukraine is... We've had a situation for a few weeks now where I think that the UK has looked as though it is playing a leading role in having a united response in, from the West. And therefore, the logical continuation of this is, while Ukraine is a serious situation and ongoing that is good news for Boris Johnson but I think we can start to see in a way the wind turning slightly so if it's all about what is the UK doing there is a chance that Ukraine isn't I don't need to be crass and say the win but if you look at how it's been talked at you know this has been a helpful thing for Boris Johnson during a crisis but it could start to not be that I think if it becomes about UK impotence the fact that the UK is not doing much the fact that the UK actually can't uh, stop Putin from doing things it might not serve the purpose it has been in recent weeks so in short too hard to predict but the danger is not gone. James do you think there's a discipline issue within the Conservative Party as a result of the Prime Minister? being interviewed under caution do you think that's going to make it difficult for him to I don't know force through various measures over the next year you know various controversial policies that he wants to pursue for instance I think the weakness of uh, Boris Johnson's political position definitely makes it harder to kind of keep discipline in the Tory parliamentary party in that you know the usual threats of you know uh, he he's not in a position to make and if you think back to before recess when his position was most vulnerable. You had those kind of meetings in his office where MPs would come in and tell him what he needed to do to maintain their support. And you know, these, some of these MPs would be very direct and tell him he needed to dismiss various people in Downing Street or change the chief whip or this or that. And you know, Boris Johnson, rather than saying, hang on a second, I'm the prime minister around here, would you know, was going to put his hand on his hands and kind of listen and try and suggest that he was sympathetic to their concerns. So I, I think his position is weaker. I also think that there are there is just a, a, a lot of independent minded Tory MPs. You can see this in the reaction to sanctions, you know, from Tom Tugendhat, chairman of the Foreign Affairs Select Committee, to Indug Smith, former Tory party leader, you know, both very happy to come out and say that they don't think the sanctions are going far enough. So I think discipline isn't kind of holding in that way. And I think one of the things that, that Downing Street have tried, the kind of tried to do to, to secure Boris Johnson's position was to try and offer Tory MPs what they want. But the problem for them is that what Tory MPs want aren't the same things. So, you know, for example, there are Tory MPs who don't want a ban on foie gras and fur coats led by Jacob Rees-Mogg. Then there are other more animal welfare-minded Tory MPs, think of kind of Zach Goldsmith and his ilk, who think that you shouldn't resile from from banning these things. So I think the problem is... Keeping his MPs happy isn't as simply as do do this, do that, because they have different views on what you should do. And I think this is going to become one of his problems. And we've already seen this when Boris Johnson definitely flirted with the idea of cancelling the national insurance rise to, designed to, to fund the, the, the extra funding for the NHS to deal with the backlog and social care. 
And then the backlash to him flirting with the idea of cancelling the tax rise led to him having to confirm it. And so I think this is the challenge for him, which is how do you keep all of your MPs happy when what they want is not always complimentary and it's sometimes contradictory? Thank you, James. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening.